4: Finally, we've got to the Pierce Brosnan section of the show called The Love Is Not Enough. Pierce Brosnan, th- there's this whole, is he getting enough appreciation? People are getting offended that he's getting too much appreciation, but we're going to give him appreciation, repetition of the word appreciation. So, yes, <laughs> here we are tonight, and we're mainly talking swine, and we've got a message from the man himself. that, that he's, he's left us a message, so we'll just hear from Pierce.
5: Well, guys... You are the anniversary, and uh, you know, I think it's fair to say that you've illuminated people's lives with your good humor, your banter, uh, the way that you've dissected Bond, uh, the way that you have uh, brought people in, special guests. and fans in themselves that you've uh, afforded the time to, which is wonderful. And I think, you know, at this juncture, it's only right that I perhaps give you a song.
6: <laughs>
5: uh, the, the song I've chosen, I think you know well. So uh, if you will permit me, you're going nowhere. You stumble and fall. <laughs> No moving too no fast. <laughs> I can't shake it off. <laughs> She's no good for you. She's no good. I'm sorry. I've realised these lyrics really don't fit the moment. That I <laughs> I've, yeah, the other lyrics go with that song. Uh, anyway, it's only incidental music uh, during a 1960s Batman fight in the bar, so uh, we'll we'll leave that there. Uh, but uh, I hope the sentiment is right, you know. <laughs> but you you yourselves, guys, it's been a wonderful year. All the best.
4: Well, that was that was very moving, you know, to get Pierce wow. yeah. to get his blessing. That that means a lot yeah. to us. <laughs> yeah. So on this section of the show, we've got uh, Mr. Sam Rogers. Welcome back, Sam. I'm
0: overwhelmed at the moment by. Uh... Brother, being Brother. I wasn't expecting that at all. No, no, no. But Brosnan was your Bond growing up on the cinema, wasn't he? So you, you're absolutely obsessed with him. Well, I mean, it's. it's well, I actually never saw Brosnan in the cinema when he was when he was Bond. It was job being the first, but I watched Goldeneye in the cinema for its 20th anniversary, I think, and that was amazing. And obviously, since then, I've seen The World Is Not Enough in cinema too. So I feel like I've had at least a good share of Brosnan. Bond in the cinema but no I think mostly for me it was like we've talked about before the video games with Brosnan and that's probably where that first really started so you know Golden Iron 64 uh, Nightfire everything or nothing you know all those where he appeared and those were were really where he became Bond in my mind I was gonna say also I found this uh, lovely pillowcase which I had in university so I just found that the other week and thought I would just show it off today so. <laughs> I know. Sam is in a dinner jacket as
4: well, just just for those who can't see, but that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Dressed as Truman Lodge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, we'll also bring in Lorenzo from all the way from America. Good evening, sir.
7: Heavy. Yes. Hello. Hello. Love loved the song. Love the Brother's song.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to ruin it, but yeah, it might not have been him, but it, it, it's. Uh, I know.
7: Lovely. It was still awesome.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Lorenzo, yeah, you you're obsessed with uh, Pierce Brosnan. He's your favorite Bond. Yes,
7: right? yes, the uh, Bond of my uh, childhood, I always call him. Yes, um, I'm a big fan. I've been a fan of him since I uh, first played a 1964 game. Uh, uh, that was my first exposure to Bond. I didn't get a chance to go see his movies in theaters because my parents couldn't take me, but I did saw them all his movies on home video at Blockbuster rented him, rented them. And uh, I was, came over obsessed of his Bond movies and uh, played his, and loved playing his likeness in the video games. And it was uh, amazing fun. I thought the guy did an incredible job. Great leading man. And, the, and his uh, portrayal of the character of Cobb uh, Connery and Roger Moore was, and all the actors was fantastic. And being the action swap, cool Bond he was, was just I just enjoyed it. And when he was let go uh, and uh, break, it was a, a heartbreaking as a fan for me because I wanted another movie with him. Can
4: you imagine he's, that he's, another bond with? Uh, would it like a 2004, a bit like Everything or Nothing? Would you? Yes,
7: liked- that amazing game.
4: Yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Your favorite though? It's The World Is Not Enough. That's what-
7: yes, uh, yes, The World Is Not Enough. I love obviously, but The World Is Not Enough became one of my number one Bond movies uh, over the years. I, the reason why I like it is because of, I think is it's one of my favorite performances by him in that movie. He he played Bond so awesome in that movie. It just I don't know is it the direction or it just, it's just it just the script or just the, uh, they gave him in that film. He just come out so awesome with Bond in that film, and I just enjoyed it on screen. The chemistry he have with, uh, with everybody in that film. It's just incredible in the action scenes he's so great and competent in action scenes it's just so entertaining to watch. what he's, he's just the
4: that can do it all isn't he he's like a yes. rounder that's what that's why we love him
7: oh yes he's a great rounder and uh i just enjoy i just enjoy his performance in his films
4: yeah brilliant lorenzo yeah well great to have you here we, we've also got from america we've got shayla here back tonight and which she is in an episode which is going to come out fairly soon, hopefully, about uh, Felix and the CIA. But welcome back, Shayla. It's great to have you.
8: Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm Canadian though.
4: I've, I've as soon as I said it, I realized, <laughs> I'm
8: so sorry. Yeah, I, it's I'm, all good.
4: I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do too much at, at once. In a yeah, great to have you, Shayla. Um, you're obsessed with Brosnan, and I don't know, it's since we've uh, been on social media talking about Bond. It's that sort of syndrome, isn't it? When you're the previous Bond, there's that period where you're not obviously talked about as much. But particularly in this like three year waiting period for No Time to Die, I think people have been looking at the films more and actually appreciating Pierce a bit more.
8: It definitely seems that way. It seems like they're all getting reappraised. And I would like I would love if all of the critics who reviewed them back in the 90s when they came out would just watch them again. Because like I feel like you know the Rotten Tomatoes might change, the IMDb scores might change, because I just think that they're as relevant as ever, really. Oh,
9: Shayla, this is so good to hear. <laughs> Come, <laughs> on. Come
8: yeah. on, yeah, and it's I not agree. just because Brosnan's in them, okay? Like I think they're no. really solid films. <laughs> Except time of the day, I'm sorry, I can't really. That one's they tried something. Well, and it. <laughs> but the world is not
4: enough. I think John said it in the Cinema Savvy review with George, who's here. He said that this is like. The moment, the first time they took risks without pressure to take risks in terms of the plot and having a female villain, it was a bit different. It wasn't done Moonraker, so we'll go to, you know, let a more gritty Bond, we'll do a few eyes only. We've done Die Another Day, or oh, that's way over the top, so we'll better do something grittier. This was like Tomorrow Never Dies was a perfectly normal Bond film in many ways. Let's just risk it all and do something that some people might have thought was a bit controversial and have him sort of falling in love with a femme fatale and Going pretty rogue. M was involved in the plot much more than before, and that's that's what he's saying, John, isn't it? Really?
9: Yeah. I mean, I just think that, like, you know, there was the aspect that Tomorrow Never Dies was two. It was two years after Golden and it's a great film. Don't get me wrong, but it's it is very formulaic in terms of it hits the beats that we all know. And then in the same two years, you have a film like The World Is Not Enough that takes some massive risks and goes completely left field to anything that's gone before. And there's no pressure. No one's saying, Oh, Jason Bourne's come out and he's well more relevant. No one's going on about Batman being great or anything like that. It just comes from nowhere. And that needs to be appreciated. And I listen, I get that there's some cringy lines in the script and all the rest of it. I get that people can rag on Denise Richards and
7: blah, blah, blah. I love Christmas yars. I'm yes, Lorenzo.
8: I don't defender, see any so problem with her.
7: Like, I'm a big, big not... defender of her. I never understood the criticism. <laughs> she's a fun sidekick character on, in the film. I love her.
5: I'm, yes, I'm with you all
7: the way. And I mean, <laughs>
9: the thing with Christmas Jones, is you've got to remember, is, is that you're not really asked to invest in her. That you're asked to invest in Electric Inc. She is the character who holds that film completely together. There's three people you need to invest in. There's Electric King, there's James Bond, and there's M. And if you invest in I those... I will
7: put three... Renard in this. He's super underrated, Robert <laughs> Cardinal. <Caldwell. laughs> yeah. I enjoy him. I think he's a, a sympathetic character. A lot of people just don't understand his, yeah. his performance. Go mm-hmm. yeah. on, come on You explain him. that, mate. Go on. You see where he, you know, how he's in the film. Like he's saying he, uh, he, he can't feel any pain. You know, he feels very sympathetic for Electro. He's very... Uh, in love with her, even though she might be using him, you know it might be all right, but he kind of feels sympathetic for the guy because even when he dies when he gives that look to Bon, like he tell him, thank you with uh uh uh, uh for killing me Cause he and then he would talk with the him he was talking about how much he you know he's in pain and stuff how he uh it, you feel sympathetic for him. Mm-hmm. I and I do it's potential in him he could have been something great they had gave him more to do, but I like the direction with him I think he's super underrated. I guess a lot of people just don't understand it, I will say. He was used
4: as well, wasn't he, by Electra? So there's there's quite a yes. lot going on, not just Bond being used, but him.
8: Yes. And I find too, like they're, like because I find like the biggest one of the biggest complaints is that you know he was built up to be so big, but then he wasn't. But that's what I think is cool. Like MI6 was running off the intel they had of on him at the time before Electra sunk her teeth into him and sort of changed him. So like he's a disappointment, sure, but like that was a cool it's a cool thing because he's built up but he he's changed since all of the information that they had previous so i don't know i thought it was like a cool kind of thing i don't have a problem with renard either
4: we've got three other guys who are i'm sure desperate to chat uh, rosin we've got evan Leiter here uh, evan cockner we've got evan here good evening uh,
1: how's it going how's it going i'm also uh from america uh, yeah not- <laughs> i was
4: going to introduce you as from <laughs> Canadian. so sorry about that <laughs>
1: That's that's okay. Yeah, no, I'm happy to kind of jump in in this World is Not Enough uh, segment. I listened to the deep dive y'all did on the movie. And it, it was a deep dive. I forget if it was five or six parts, uh, but it definitely most likely would cover almost everything that I would say. And I was, you know, I was just happy to see that there was some some love for the film out there i watched it the night just to get ready for this and it was just the right amount of time for me uh, taking a break with the film because it's always a problem with with bond films when i've just watched some of them out uh like goldeneye i've just seen it so many times that it's sometimes hard to get in in the moment watching goldeneye again you know it was over a year since i last saw it and i watched it again and it, it was kind of like a Wow. Okay, I almost a new film. Just I hadn't thought about it, hadn't really examined it, and I forgot how punny it was. Uh Just how many yeah. uh, puns and quips.
7: I love the puns and quips. <laughs> so
1: heavily it. loaded. Just the first scene in Bilbao, uh when Bond comes up in a few minutes with like five or six different ways of making fun of of Swiss bankers. I'm like. I love it. It's like a, a comedy sketch routine where, it, in, you know, improv comedy. It's like, think of everything you can do to make fun of a Swiss banker. And he's like, okay, all right, just, you know, you can you count to three? You're not good at giving people their, their money back. Ooh, this, uh, World War II. And I'm like, wow, he's, I mean, they really, really pack it in there. But then the whole movie is just, it's a weird inflection point for the series. I mean, because, you know, you've already mentioned that, you know, Tomorrow Never Dies is just a very classic bond film in terms of hitting all the beats and then world is, is not enough is kind of the start of really shaking up the formula uh doing some things that just had not quite been done before uh involving m as a character which you know later on it, you know in the craig era becomes dominant you know the four released craig films you have m heavily invested as a major character and i do think that goes back to uh world is not enough oh yes uh, and, and doing some of those sleight of hand things where Bond has a really cool gadget and uses it, but then really quickly the gadget's destroyed and it's, okay, Bond has to use his wits and his fists to get out of this. He can't press a button to make the problem go away. And they did that with the, uh, the V-8 uh, in the scene with the, the docks. He gets the one missile shot out and then the car is, like, just cut in half. Uh, one of, carry the, off that one of is the most painful that hard best, uh in, in the series. Elvis and geniuses. So. <laughs>
8: yeah, that,
4: Cannabis and weed. Cannabis yeah. and Wade. Go on, Rob. Go on. <laughs> Damn it, yeah. Well, brilliant, uh, Evan. I'll, I'm going to chat. We're going to chat some Dine
10: of the day quickly.
7: Can I? Can yeah. I talk about Dine of the day? I've been dying. One oh, th- <laughs> I'm <laughs> dying to talk
10: about yes. that movie. We'll come to it shortly, Lorenzo. Hold that thought, sir. Yeah, we've
4: got <laughs> another
5: couple of
10: people to bring
5: in.
4: Yeah, we've got Sai. We've got that guy, Sai slash November man. And uh, we've also got Tom Mason. So I'll just go, I'll go to you, Sai. first. You, yeah, you, you obviously grew up in this era. Are you, is Brosnan your favourite?
6: Growing up, absolutely. Um, but I would certainly, in the household, uh, growing up, there was a lot of Connery, a lot of Roger. Mum geared towards Roger, she worked in. And Dad, uh, Sean. But certainly the big screen. And I remember at the time, there was so much promotion on telly, especially with that Thames chase. It was a big thing, and I think it's the fact that it was filmed locally, UK, got a lot of press. I feel bad that I missed out on Tomorrow Never Dies. Hey, There's not enough was the first film I saw, and it's quite an adult-themed film to see as a youngster. A I was about 11, I would say, when I saw it, or maybe a bit younger, but obviously I loved the film. Just, there was so much going on, but now I watched it last week um, in preparation for tonight, and there was so much going on. So many layers. Um, but I, I jotted a couple of things down because it's probably been referenced before. When you get to the likes of Skyfall and things, to me it feels like they've went back to the world's not enough when Skyfall came about. A lot of ideas. The shoulder injury, for example, MI6 under attack. The use of locations. one being deformed. Electra, I know it's just the ear, but then to revisit that, don't they, in Skyfall? It's definitely the template. Definitely the template for the Craig even. I bet if that film came out now and Skyfall hadn't happened, Things would be different. I think it would be treated a very different way today. But I think it's getting a bit of love. I think there's people out there. ourselves were talking about it. We like it. There's a lot to see, a lot to like. And I think Brosnan puts in stellar performance, right? But then again, he's playing off Electric King. Right? That's a really weird character, you know. There's a lot going on there. And you get a bit taken aback. You see, you get Bond tied up in the chair and stuff at the end. And I used to see Bond vulnerable, you know. It's I like what they did with it. I think there's a lot, a lot going on. A lot to like i not seen the action scenes quite play oh yeah, out quite as well. Obviously, the Thames chase, all that in high regard, a great pre-title sequence. But there's just something about some of the action scenes and the of I really like the d- drama. The drama of all is a strong, strong point. But maybe you'll agree or disagree, some of you, that the action scenes, I don't think, if Martin Campbell or John Klein got his hands on it, I think it would have been dropped here. I think the Parahawk, is the Parahawk? Is that what you call it? Yeah. I love
7: the... I'm, I, I might be the only one I say, I love the action sequence in Twine. I think the action sequence is super underrated uh, of what I hear a lot of people say. I enjoy every single action scene in that film. It's, it, the pace is good. It's, the music in it is fantastic. that carry-off factory taking by David Arnold, is just exciting and fun. I love the action sequence in Twine.
6: Oh, t- no, I totally agree. The, the sequences are good, but I just... I don't know. I, maybe it's Michael Opted. He wasn't... I, I think that... That type of film to him was quite a big budget, big production film. Whereas I just, I just prefer the flow of the action sequences in the other Brosnan films. At that, but I actually had a question for Lorenzo and for Sheila. Oh, um, if that's okay. And what I was going to ask was, the Bond films are really British, like a really British film. And you guys are maybe more used to seeing the likes. What's the appeal of the Bond films to you guys? Because when I think of Brosnan in the nineties and things like that. Michael Bay and all these big, big action American films are out there. What's the appeal? There'll be a lot of British DNA in the Bond films, So what's the appeal of these films to you guys? With you guys are on um, and and Evan of course, what 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 what, what gets you going? What, what what do you like about these films? What's what's the appeal? I, I think we we a lot of us are British and we like these over here, but it's what talks to you guys? On the other side, what would you like about it? Just mm-hmm. the
8: spy, like the spy genre. Like he, he's just so suave and like and he's uh, like, he's such a cool character that I, I don't know, I just uh, you you kind of want to be him. Like, you know, you watch the films and even I'm like, man, I wish I could do all of the things that Bond would do. Yeah, I, I mean,
7: when I was a kid, I, I thought you know, Bond was just the most cool thing I ever seen because I never seen something like a character like him before. Wearing the tux and going on these missions and just doing all these cool things, it blew me away as a, a eight year old, nine year old growing up. And I said, like, and the action in it was just so exciting and just you were intrigued by it, you just couldn't get enough of it. And then you make that video game based off it, and you get to play those scenes in the game. You, and like in the movie, you say, "Wow, that's super cool." I, I think that's like the uh, the spy stuff in it. Just you have a great leading man like Brosnan and with charisma and charm unless they got to go along with it I'll
4: yeah. bring in Tom here because Tom I don't know whether you intentionally are you, are you dressed as Valentin Zakovsky there Tom? Intentionally <laughs> 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 It looks, me the looks like the white tux though with the
11: black lapels beautiful
4: You're a big uh, Brosnan fan as well and do you which, oh, yeah. which do you
11: think is your favourite of the four? Tomorrow Never Dies I think it's oh. I, I am one of the few people who say like it's my favourite of all Second
7: favourite Tomorrow Never Dies my second favourite I I'm a big love for that movie
11: it's just it's, um I've always kind of described it as, it's kind of like what you've said in, in, in passing with it, which it kind of takes, for me, all of the things that worked about the Connery and the Moore and the Lathamie films, and adds a modern bit, when it kind of sticks it all in the blender with sort of a modern edge to it, and you get sort of a, a 60s, you know, 70s Bond film made in the 90s, and I think to me that just, it's really unique. I think I've said before um that, for me, sort of each of the four Brosnan films feel like a different era of Bond, they're so different. And I don't think, other than maybe Timothy Dalton, you can really say that about any other tenure because the, they do have some sort of overlap. And I think having four different directors, all with their own sort of tone, like that, if you look at Goldeneye and Dying of the Day back to back, you wouldn't think there was the same amount of tie between them, basically. It's like, you know, Spectre and No Time to Die. I know we haven't seen No Time to Die, maybe that's going to be as different as, from Spectre as, as, as Goldeneye is to Dying of the Day. But it's just that's what I think the appeal of the Brosnan era to me is just the variety of it. Because they're all kind of the same, and he's his performance changes, but he's obviously the constant, and then the surrounding cast is the constant. But they change so much. I think I'm, other than, I mean, maybe as I say, Timothy Dalton is possibly the only because *License to Kill* and *Living that's are very different films. But there's such a variety in, and that's why I've always kind of been a very strong defender of that of that era. Because a lot of people kind of decry it as being, um, you know, oh, it's '90s crap, and it's action. oh no,
7: I disagree.
11: I, I disagree very strongly with that is
7: Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, when I love a lot that movie. I'm a big fan of the Paris Carver and Bond relationship and that, the angle in that film. I think Terry Harrison Brosnan got underrated chemistry in that film. I love their scenes together and I like the angle in that film. And I love John Van Price Eddie Carver. He's my mentor because he's so over-the-top <laughs> champion. Yeah. Fun. I love his performance. And uh, Dr. Kaufman and all the action sequence they shot in that film is just exciting and fun playing the video game based off that film too hey i love tomorrow awesome maybe maybe i'm sorry
4: i was just gonna say sam has written an an article on License to queer david's uh Hmm. website recently which is so good like comparing World is not enough to honor majesties and it's just again if you read that it brings out even more layers to the film sam did you just tell us a few of the things you sort of noticed from comparing them.
0: Yeah, well, it's one of those things where I feel, I feel like, you know, because I owned, well, there wasn't enough on VHS. And then, you know, I I caught I think even like the first time I saw it, I was like, there's just little bits. I think because I there was one time where I watched that one after On the Majesty's and I was like, there's just things here, but you just would never write them down. And then I think at the beginning of this year, When I usually start writing things, I will usually just write notes on my phone. And once it gets to a certain length, I'm like, right, I need to move this to a Word document. For that article, I was literally just writing points all through the year, and I got to about 30 different points. And I was like, right, I do actually need to write something on this. But I mean, one of the main things that I I think is important is that, you know, a Bond film isn't just great because of Bond or the actor. There's a lot of elements around uh, around that that make it work and you know everyone knows them you know the gadgets the cars you know the all the all the side characters the MI6 regulars the villains you know for me one of the important most important part is is the women you know I think you know they have such a different relationship to Bond than any other you know character in the films do and I think Electra is just so complicated and you know she's got so many layers and you could really two different people could have completely different perceptions of who she is and you know, my whole perception is that, you know, you know, when Bond is saying about oh, Stockholm syndrome, whatever, that that would be, you know, her fallback if any if she was called out on a public level that, you know, she was kind of like forced into it, into this master plan. But I think she's just such a sociopath and she's so like for me, she feels so fame-hungry that she wants to be well-known and she wants to be rich and she wants this power and she'll do anything to get it you know she'll she will you know chop off her earlobe to make it seem like someone else has done it she will go to those lengths you know she uses two of the you know strongest men at the time bond because of his reputation and renard for his reputation as a terrorist and so the fact that she can you know wrap them both around her finger is just really interesting i think you know, putting her side by side with Tracy, who I also think is very complicated. And you can also take, you know, a lot of different, you know, perspectives on her. I think there's definitely a good argument to say that they were kind of maybe directing Electra and and making her to, to be a Tracy 2.0, but completely you know, strayed off a different to a different path. I think as soon as I realized that in my mind, it just made the film, you know, so much better. Like I've always found it. A great film, anyway, but I mean, it's definitely—I don't think it's ever going to go outside of my top ten, and I think it's very underrated. And it's for the elements that perhaps aren't to do with Bond directly. I think it's probably the best Judy Dench Bond film, in my perspective. I think it's just the right balance of utilizing Judy Dench as an actress, what's best for the story, and having her actually linked to the villain in that way is great. And like has been what has been said before. You know, Skyfall does a similar thing with Emin and the relationship with the villain. But I kind of prefer how it's done in the world is not enough. I think, in fact, like, my only complaint is that I would love to just see a bit more between Sophie Marceau and Judy Dench because I feel like there's probably a bit more. And I think...
2: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
0: All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
0: Electric could be so resentful over and making that decision uh, telling her father you know don't bail her out you know there's so i just think there's so much there um and really the article goes into a lot about Electra, but also just the other similarities you know like what shayla was saying about renard being you know a fake out villain really like he's he's promoted to be it he has a similar eye deformity as blofeld he's bald he has this you know impossible power that all these villains have um but he's actually a puppet you know he's not that you know stuff like you know just the, the unreleased song by straw you know the the demo where you know they have we have all the time in the world it makes you think what would it what would the producers what were they pitching out to people who were creating this film you know some of the costume design there's just so there's so many elements that link that back to honor Majesty's that i just think it's not coincidental so that's really what that goes into but yeah just as a film i think it's a great film i think Boston zero is relatively strong i think golden I tomorrow never dies and wasn't enough for uh, uh, three great films i know days not in my opinion yeah i think he he did a great job with what he had And I think a lot of it is to do with scripts and stuff. And I think definitely at the tail end, uh, the scripts let him and everyone else down. So it's a shame that he didn't get to, you know, do a fifth one. It's a shame that he got let go. Um, But I'm very happy with the output that we got, even Dying of the Day, because there's still great elements in that as
4: well. Super dope, Sam. Honestly, that that article, it goes into so many things you... Some of them you will have realised when you're watching it. But so much... you, You know, like the outfit, I remember, you know, in the skiing scene... It's, it's It's all sort of linked isn't it And an homage rather than a copy And Electra, let's let's put it she's an original character, of course, you're not a majesty you, you've got the book to go out, so to create such a complicated character time in the series when it didn't necessarily need it is why is one of the reasons I think twine stands out and we we'll, we'll move on there to dine the with the day and Evan we've got to start with you 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 know you're almost infamous on Twitter because. You're absolutely proud of your love for this film,
1: and I love it, mate. I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of be, become a thing, and I, you know, I leaned into it just because it's it's fun. Um, yeah, and it's you know, I mean, just to put it, you know, I don't think it's it's a great film. It, it would not rate um, oh, no. No.
5: Uh,
1: Bond movies, and it's it's third act collapse uh i acknowledge and i think it's like just this whole spectacular like dumpster fire Mm -hmm. of a final 45 minutes of the film uh but that being said i i enjoy it and it's just a james bond comfort food uh movie for me overall uh i i I think that we're trying to go for some something ambitious. You know, I, I think there's a lot of consensus on the first 45 minutes to an hour of the movie being pretty good with a strong pre-title sequence going through the credits, doing again, kind of a, a plot variance from the formula. We've never seen Bond uh, captured and loses double O status. we you know, he provoked he his status, but not quite, you know, he, he was completely destroyed uh, as a double O through failure. We hadn't seen Bond really fall on his face like that before. And it looked like they were going to go to some interesting places. And then, I don't know, there was just some structural writing problems. Um, you know, I think Sam pointed out, kind of maybe let every... Everyone else involved in that that production down, and I, I don't. I would not fault any of the actors. It's all in the eye of the beholder, but I I think Halle Berry is hilarious in the film, uh, and kind of enjoying Rosamund Pike like nails it, and you kind of see, you you can see why she comes back in Gone Girl playing um, an electro king based character maybe, and really nails it there. But I, I just think on the whole, if you look at Ed, Die Another Day, there's it's almost like what an in, in MCU James Bond movie would be like, because it is so driven by quips and one-liners, a zany devil-may-care plot where it's just, you know, halfway through it, it just stops really just caring about being grounded, and it just flies out onto the limb of, okay, it's a space sci-fi superhero James Bond movie genre mashup, which, you know, it didn't quite work, but I think it's it's kind of a spectacular failure, and I, I enjoy watching it so that's kind of where i'm at with my my die another day uh apologia uh if you will but so i i would just say if if you think of the film you just really try to just enjoy the film it's it's possible to do that
10: I, i think it's a very very i mean there's so many things that if you look at them individually they're like pretty cringeworthy and and you know not not great but I don't know as a as a whole film. It's pretty it's pretty easy to watch and it, it's so easy to follow. Like as in the plot, you know, it's ridiculous. But do, uh, do you know what I mean? So you can just sort of leave your brain at the door and stick it on. And you know, for some people, it's obviously way too much and and you know, way too far that that direction. But you know, I personally have a little bit of fondness for it in that regard. Shayla,
4: you're a massive Brosnan fan. Um, but I've not heard you mention down in the day. So what do you think? <laughs> <Good one. laughs> I'm
8: I mean, I recognize that it's also like, you know, not not the greatest film ever created or anything, but I think there's so much positive stuff to pull from from it. Like, you know, the torture stuff is really cool. They they did some really cool things, the sword fight. I thought the ice palace was cool looking. I mean, like, It just had some it had some great stuff in it and the car chase. And so I just I try to focus on those positives and like, you know, and Miranda Frost, incredible Pierce knocks it out of the park. Like, I just feel like he constantly got better and better. And so I just I just try to focus on the positives. You know, I I don't think the film should be thrown in the toilet for like a seven second uh, crappy tidal wave. You know, like (laughs) there's more to it than that. (laughs) I appreciate
7: two different tones in that movie. And I love it. I appreciate being the first half where it is, and I definitely appreciate the second half when it goes over top. It's like a fun ride. It's just you want on a fun ride, just enjoying what you see, and just being entertained. I love it. Oh, God bless you, Lorenzo, man. Brilliant. God bless Brilliant. you, man. Brilliant. I appreciate being a spider in the beginning, and I appreciate being a, a fantastical over-the-top fun hour of a movie that is at I'm on the front right. I love the Madonna thing song. I think it's a fun thing song in the title sequence. I appreciate the different direction they did with it. I know a lot of people say a lot of next things. Yes, uh, the, the slow motion, the dialogue, and uh, all the other all stuff in Lee uh, uh wherever direction you wanted to go with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, but over the years, I started to appreciate and just say, you know what? get all then just take what it is if you want your serious gritty uh, film, you have Casino Royale and other films in the series Days, Day like the t- it's a two different tone of film you got your spider and you got your over the top fun it, it, I think it does a good job having balance in both I, and I love it preach
10: Lorenzo Pl- preach man
7: and I love the kite surfing scene I love the invisible card I never understood over the years why do people hate the invisible card I love it. If you can have a car turn into a submarine and spy on Love Me and praise that to the king going to come, a car turn invisible is not a crime. That, I thought it was cool.
5: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely,
7: yes. It's cool. And you, do, and yeah. you do that, build the video game everything or nothing. I love the invisible car.
9: <laughs> you are going about the invisible car. And we had, a pre- we had a question earlier on from Gert. And he said, when you are contemplating and reevaluating these films so let's talk about it from the Brosnan era do you ask yourself sometimes what would Ian think of all this no. so, <laughs> so let's let's go for our dad yeah.
7: yeah.
9: uh, no, not Ian pickup Ian Fleming both great in different ways yeah. um, so you more than
4: Ian Fleming, I, mean.
9: yeah. I, I taking that a bit further Shayla let's talk about the Brosnan <laughs> era I, I actually think what in some ways the most far removed from the from the Fleming books, but I would actually say the female aspects and some of the women characters are so well written in that era. Why don't you just give us your thoughts on some of those characters from that era?
8: I mean, I think I think the majority of them are just, you know, badasses. Like Natalia is just she has her own thing going on. She's got her own mission besides like Bond can't do it with Odor. Like he's not a hacker. Lin, oh my goodness, like she's such she's just the coolest character like she's his equal and it's so cool to watch them like you know banter back and forth and one up each other and and it's just it's awesome and of course Electra like don't get me started on Electra I just played Electra in a podcast that's how much I love (laughs) Electra. You did a great
7: job at it I heard I saw the podcast you did a great job at it performance with Electra. Love it. Where, where, where can we hear that?
8: <laughs> um, it's the Bond and Banter podcast um, hosted by Jack Lugo. I, the first half is just, you know, you pick a character and, and you pretend to be them. And then the second half, you, you talk as yourself. And I just thought, OK, I'm going to do electrics. I just think there is so much there. She is such like she just has so many layers and and she's so cool. And but yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, Jinx kind of falters a little bit when it comes to like, you know, well-written female characters Sorry in the and era. But the I mean, dialogue.
7: she's
8: yeah. But you know, she's okay. I, I remember in the theaters when I was watching it when I was twelve, people laughed at the yo mama thing, and not like a like a like a oh god, that was awful laugh, like a genuine like it got laughs. So so yeah, no, I I think I think the majority of the Bond girls in his era are just amazing, and I think they're some of the best.
4: So you're sort of nodding your head with some of this, but are you are you in agreement with with the down of the day and the the whole Brosnan era summary we've
6: had here? It's a tricky one. I often wonder if Rosen had just said, after world's enough, you know what, well, that's me, you know, that's all I'm going to do. I feel has Die Another Day tainted his films up to that point? Because uh, it's the one that people, I feel, if you're not talking about the positives of GoldenEye, you're talking about negatives of Die Another Day. And the two in the middle sometimes get a bit lost in the mix. But Die Another Day is fun, say what you will. Um, there, it's very much a moonraker of the Brosnan, the Brosnan era, but I really quite like the first half. The second half is a different film. It's it's such a bizarre film, Die Another Day, but there's so much, it's got that Arnold score that I like so much and it's got a lot of the Bond elements that I like in it too, but had the world's not enough been, had people taken to it more at the time, I think they probably would have went with that again, <laughs> maybe and died Another Day. You know, you know, like at the beginning when he's, tortured and captured it's so brief it's so short like it had the kind of went on that a bit more uh, i think it would have been a very different film but then again it, it was a 40th anniversary film wasn't it, and it was, oh yes it was, yeah. it was 2002 so you had the likes i know the born identity came out but you had the likes of triple x and you had all these big films coming out at the time so it was a film really just reacting to the time but like if it's if it's on the tell i'll i'll watch it i'll And I'll put it on from time to time, it is a fun, fun film, but on the grand scheme of things, it's definitely not my favourite Brosnan film, it's definitely not my favourite Bond film, but there's a lot of love for it here tonight. Lorenzo clearly loves the film. (laughs) All all of it. I love it. It it hits a lot of beats, but I think, is is there not a part in, in the film that they try and acknowledge all the Bond films? Did I read that? up yeah. to that point so I think you need to pay close attention to see it but I think when they get into the scene McHugh and things with all sorts of you know, Roger songs and gadgets on the wall and all sorts of stuff so yeah, mm. but it, it, it's, about... it's a really really ambitious film. I totally wish Brosnan had got a fifth one but it is what it is make of it what you will I think time's maybe been better to it because you know it's quite light hearted it's a bit of fun but yeah, if I had to pick between Worlds Not Enough and Die Another Day, it would definitely be Worlds Not Enough. But oh, yeah. I, won't, I won't ignore Die Another Day. There's a lot to like. There's a
4: lot to- And I was going to say, we, we talked a bit about this, I think we did in the No Time To Die, sorry, the uh, Being James Bond uh, documentary review. Assuming that, you know, the Craig films are standalone, aren't they, in a way, presumably they'll have to go back to the the general were just doing another Bond film, which means Dying of the Day was the last
6: one. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great, wouldn't it? go back to the original
7: canon.
4: Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't mean it, you know, directly follows, you know, 10 minutes after, um, like uh, Quantum famously did, but yeah, Tom, in terms of like the legacy of these films, uh, particularly Dying of the Day, like Moonraker's got so much more love recently because I think people appreciate that it is what it is. It's not... It's not trying to uh, take itself seriously as a spy, espionage, Cold War thriller or something. It's just a fun bond at the time. You've got to remember this was done in 79 after, of course, Star Wars and Superman, and it was that let's go to space kind of thing. Do you think of the Day has a chance of having some kind of legacy like that maybe in 20- God,
7: I hope so. I want that movie <laughs> to get,
4: get praised. <laughs> Rotten
7: Tomatoes, Boy, I want that movie to get praised.
11: Well, firstly, first I would say that I think I think Ian Fleming would be spinning in his grave from like doing <laughs> twice onwards. So you know what he thinks of Brosnan is probably irrelevant. I mean, and I love you. What do you twice, think? So is, <laughs> Same is, joke. So far but I I have this personal sort of feeling that there is no such thing, with very few exceptions, no such thing as an objectively bad film. Some people try and present the thing there is there is an objectively bad film, like sort of. Even things like The Room, people say is objectively, But why do I enjoy watching it if it's objectively bad? I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not like it doesn't fit the standard criteria of, you know, cinematography and direction people would think it is a good film. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend it's, you know, The Godfather, but it's enjoyable, and that's why I watch films so, is to enjoy them. And I think when I watch Dine of the Day, I really enjoy it. And I'm not going to, again, pretend that it's got the deep messages of some other films, or, or Bond films even. But, um, yeah, I, I mean... The last time I watched it, I pinpointed to myself the exact point went off the rails to me, which was the, the bond Jinx conversation about mojitos and every kind of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it was no. written on set that day, and it was just, it's so it's, it's, it's terrible.
4: People talk like in real life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no.
11: It's, it's just, and it's like wow, you can see, like, I, just, I, I agree that, like, I don't think Halle Berry is any near as bad behind that film, as some people say as she is, but. That scene, like even even I love Pierce Brosnan's Bond, and you could tell how he's struggling so much with it. And I think that's the bit where some people maybe, maybe started leaving the film. And maybe when the invisible car comes along, they don't give it as that much. People complain about
7: it. People complain when the invisible car or when he goes to Iceland. When the movie people say when the movie goes downhill.
11: Yeah, I. I Totally disagree with that. I I am on board, with, but again, I was a child when I saw it. Maybe I've got like nostalgia, but I do love it. I genuinely love the Invisible Car, as you oh, say. If you can accept a car <laughs> into a submarine, why is it becoming invisible like this weird thing? I don't I don't understand that. This thing that people have about to
7: it. to be honest, yeah. I, I look at Dinah Day like Moonbreaker. Moonbreaker is a fun film. Like, exactly. it has
11: fight, yeah, yeah. thriller
7: stuff in it. But when when he goes out of space i don't have no problem with i like the climax of that film the of it it's fun
11: i I watch bond films to be entertained and have fun i don't really watch them to get you know some sort of deep thing if they can do that too brilliant but at the end of the day what i take away from it is did i enjoy watching did i enjoy spending 90 minutes to two hours of my life watching this and it's like Almost invariably, yes. And so it's like uh, that's that's all I look for, really. So, yeah, I, I hope that maybe in like what would it be 40 years' time? Maybe people look back and say that, you know, we'll have people and on, on whatever the equivalent in four year time. Like Catherine Dyson
7: said in his review uh, of Renaissance, he's uh, yeah. he, when he brought up, uh, he's a brother, uh bronze in his second favorite. Bond he said one, one day, Broaden will get his rena- rena- Renaissance at the Craigs tenure. year. I think he will get appreciation for his amazing run yeah. as Bond.
1: Yeah, I think it to happen. Hopefully, I think it will be analogous a bit to the I think reassessment that has broadly occurred with Roger Moore, uh, because I remember very distinctly how much like Roger Moore was just held up as the negative example of Bond. Uh, how common it was where people would say, "Like Connery, I don't know what those Roger Moore movies were. They were just goofy." for kids, couldn't take them seriously. Over and over again, there was a lot of just critical contempt uh, for Roger Moore and those films. And I do think in the last five to 10 years, there's been a reassessment and kind of an appreciation broadly For all of them. I mean, for all seven Roger Moore films, deservedly so, for different reasons. A lot of it is just, you go back and you just get a lot of variety. I mean, you have Live and Let Die that touches on supernatural elements. You have Man with the Golden Gun that touches on, you know, Kung Fu movies at that time period. You have Moonraker that hits on... Star Wars. I mean, it's just so many different like, just genres and aesthetic elements just go into those films. And I think it's the same looking back with a lot of the Pierce Brosnan movies of how it hits on all the notes of, of a lot of 90s action movies that I think are gradually just being more appreciated for the time and just for the style. And you go back and it touches just aesthetically on just a lot of cool elements of the time period that I think will and have been kind of coming back and it's kind of a cyclical thing. That that broadly I do think that, you know, Brosnan will rise. And, oh, and
4: that the- that should be the name of his documentary, Brosnan. Will. <laughs> um I'll just leave the, you know, before the Craig uh, guys have just given up all hope of speaking. I'll just let George have a quick say on on Dad because he he's a big fan of that film as well.
12: Yeah, absolutely. So dying of for Date, well, I'm going to go to the first because, you know, that came out when I was three. It's the first film I saw. I'm not the age of I think I was four or five on like a VHS recording. And the really interesting point I've been thinking in the last sort of 20 minutes is that when you look at like, the generations of Bond fans, if you look at the Brosnan era, it's the video game era, right? Everyone that was young at that point probably had a console or a friend that had a console and there were so many games coming out so often. I think there was another entry point into the Bond franchise for younger people. And that's something I had, that we had The World Is Not Enough PS1 game, we, we had a VHS recording of it when it was on ITV, so I think that was a really big jump in, but when you get to the of a Day, and this is what's kind of comes to me tonight, so I'm trying to get the words out right, that was 2002, and if you look at the state of cinema back then, you know, where we are now, we get superhero films, 7, 8 a year, which is fine, you can enjoy them, I enjoy them, I get a kick out of them, but when a Bond film came out, that was the event film. And it was every X amount of years. Whereas, obviously, now we're waiting six years, but that's a different conversation. And, you know, Spider Man 1 came out that year, a couple of months before, you'd had X Men, you'd had Blades. But Bond was still the elusive big cinema experience. There hadn't been big franchises. I think Lord of the Rings was, was it the second one at that point. Chris would correct me if he was here. And of course, you've had Star Wars, which is engineered at kids as well in 2002, the prequel trilogy. I grew up with them and I'll defend them to end of the earth as well. Maybe, that, maybe that's why I like Dying of the Day so much. So, it's one of them where I think the Day came out at the right time for people of maybe a certain age, but obviously a, a big thing is without getting into the Craig stuff yet, obviously cinema changes landscape in, in the years that followed with it post 9 and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to bore with the film essay, but a really big thing, I think is Barbara Broccoli. Obviously when Cubby passed away, you know, it, it went to her and Michael G Wilson. And if you think she'd first worked on, was it Spy Who Loved Me? They said, but she essentially grew up on the to across her childhood and, uh, Shaila's spoke about the very really good female characters. I don't think there's any coincidence that she was starting to have a massive input on these films. And I think when you look at the Brosnan era, so many beats have been taken, put into the Craig films. And we know that Barbara sees Daniel Craig as her Bond, as her baby, almost her creation. So I think as the years have gone by, you've seen, I'm not saying Brosnan's a test because I love him, but I think they took the elements from him that felt new, that felt fresh, applied it to Craig in a new era for a new audience and I think that's where this big jump has been in with the dying of the day. I just, I just feel that because I love it, you know, it's got its issues. I'm not going to hide from them. You know, I can look at it from, you know, nostalgic, which I love and critical, which, you know, there are issues certainly. And it, it's one of them where I think it's just really trying to pay homage to 40 years of bonding. It just backfired. I don't think the audience was ready because they turned up, but cinema was slowly moving on. And when you jump to skyfall for the 50th, you couldn't have two more different films being anniversary films. You'd know, you'd expect it to be the same. So I've, I've just been like taking all this into my head recently, listening to everyone tonight. But to me, the Brosn era is, is just incredible. And it? it's a shame he didn't get more, but I think his influence, he had another gateway for people with those games, with other things. And, you know, of course, there were games beforehand, but you weren't getting games with, you know, Roger Moore's Likeless and his voice acting in it. and You weren't getting a game every year or two. And that was such a massive gap. And even jumping heads to Craig, you know, Craig's era, we got it early with Quantum Game. We had a, a Bloodstone. And they've just had the, the gap of silence since. And I don't think that's accommodated his era. So audience-wise, there's not been gaps for new audiences to come in with Craig. And when they have, you know, if these kids now are getting five Marvel films a year and the superheroes they love, they pop up at least once a year now, you know. How many times has Daniel Jr. played Iron Man in, in the 13 years? And we've had, what, two Daniel Craig Bond films in the time since Iron Man came out? So... Yeah, trying to make like an observation with the sort of the modern eyes, but I just think you know taking all the context out of it, Brosnan's era is just superb. And you know there were issues, as I said, but I think I think it was almost the perfect era for Barbara Broccoli to get a hand on producing to see where she went next. I know that not everyone likes the Craig era, and that's fine. But um, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a I'm a big Craig fan. Obviously, nowhere near as much as um, as Brosnan, as I'll until the end of time, but. I don't know if anyone's ever thought that, just that cinema's evolved so much. Brosnan feels like the pre-superhero, because he was a one-man army. He was going into bases, killing hundreds of people, and it was sick, and we all enjoyed it, and we had a good time watching it. But if you look at all those superhero films, the -the over-the-top CGI heavy ending that might not be fleshed out, it's just two people hitting each other. Well, Brosnan did that with Gustav Graves on an airplane uh, (laughs) with a giant laser, so... Really? There's... um, it's really interesting looking looking at cinema and and where Brosnan ranks in it because we said it in the video for Tomorrow Never Dies, but that's like happening today. That's real now. The power of the media now. Yeah. The, the Brosnan era has has dated so well, story and thematically, whereas some of the early ones might not have obviously contextually Cold War. You know, you can't really do that now, but. The Brosnan era has been really interesting as, as a look back almost 20 years later, which is terrifying to say it's almost 20 years ago. As well.
4: Unbelievable points there, George. And the only thing I can say, issue is, that, thankfully, we did have another Daniel Craig game where, once and for all, we we had him in License to Kill as, as uh, in 007 Legends, which which we all loved.
12: I played it. I remember that game came out, right? We do Skyfall video this week. I'll talk about it, but do you not know, remember Love Film? Did I used to rent games off there? Yeah. So there was a loophole where you delete your list, you get the new game. So I got 007 Legends. And you know, the 50th anniversary hype and, and it came and it was like, the hell is this? And I hadn't <laughs> seen License to Kill at this point. Cause it was, it was around the time I was, I was going through the last one that I hadn't seen. And I remember real like, this is a really cool map. This is really cool. I was like, but why is Daniel Craig in Goldfinger with modern technology? And, oh. You know, the fact we've not had a game since and what the company went bust, didn't they? They lost so much money on it. They got rid of most of their staff. So it's really sad because if you look at the last 10 years of gaming, the world would have been ready for a, a Bond game at any point. And they would have got so many new people. Cause, cool, the Quantum Asylum so game was amazing. Yes, it was Call of Duty, but it was Call of Duty in a Bond skin and everyone at school loved it and all played it. And I platinumed it so I could one-up them all. So.
7: And I like <laughs> blood, uh, Bloodstone. Uh, Bloodstone was like a... Uh... It's a mixed with it's with uh, it's a very great game. I always consider it uh, a follow up after Quantum of Solace in some way. Uh, uh, on
4: it's an, that's underrated. I think we,
7: we oh covered super on,
4: didn't we in our in our episode Sam we covered that episode. But Rob, did you did you want to quickly say something before we
10: move on to the the Craig here? Which... It's quite it's quite an awkward one actually. I felt like I missed something, but um, David, <laughs> you're wearing something, aren't you? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry to ask this, but could... could... It's, it's got something to... I'm sorry to cause a sweet distraction. <laughs> well, it's a very sweet yeah. distraction, David. From Octopussy.
1: Yeah.
10: There you go, there you go. Is then. it... Look at that. You <laughs> Give us a twirl,
4: my word. Yeah.
10: Uh, I have got know, shorts on. <laughs> be I, I, I did not mean to put you on the spot, but I could not not seen I'm so sorry David thank you it's like I'll find any excuse to wear it is it is it as comfortable as it looks it is like you're not wearing anything (laughs) but how much was it you really don't want to know (laughs) was it from the 007 store I'm afraid so well, I admit it's a little bit. Admit kinky. it. Admit it.
9: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
10: I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing, you know, for not that I subscribe to the gender binary at all, but to buy a women's dressing gown from the 007 store. Um, <laughs> but we'd had a couple of martinis, and my husband was like, no, you have to buy that. So, uh, and then uh, amazingly, we woke up the next morning and didn't actually feel that much buyer's remorse so uh yeah it arrived about a week later and uh yeah we we take it in turns to wear it I just that's, all, that's all I'm saying. That's I just think it's brilliant. Right. Mrs. Parker uh, needs to take yeah. serious notes at this point. <laughs> I think it should be great on everyone here. Everyone needs
9: to try it. Now, like <laughs> yeah. from David to Rob and then one month later
10: <laughs> to Goldfinger, etc. <laughs> it <laughs> pairs really well with a Pierce Brosnan watch. Yeah, oh. so there, there you go. Oh. Just, just repping rep- the different uh, eras. Finally. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they
4: That's it for the third part of our anniversary special. Join us for the fourth and final part where we discuss the legacy of Daniel Craig.